What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be discussing Hendon Hooker not being selected as a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. I thought that the Heisman Trophy was supposed to celebrate the most outstanding players in college football from said season. Hendon Hooker this season. 27 touchdowns to only two interceptions. He has the second highest quarterback rating in college football. He also has 430 rushing yards to go along with five touchdowns on the ground. And he has thrown for 3,135 passing yards. Is that not outstanding? So how is he not invited to New York City for the Heisman Trophy ceremony? I don't know. But we're going to talk about the crime that was committed about Hendon Hooker. We're also going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers. I believe that they're going to be fine without Jimmy G. The Bengals are about to make another Super Bowl run. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not, can still make the playoffs this season. Before we begin, if you haven't already... Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. If you enjoy this episode, leave us with a five-star review. We have a goal of 100 five-star reviews by the end of this year. We currently are at 49. We definitely know that a lot of you guys love podcasts out there so we know that you guys are going to help us reach that goal and also if you love the jt sports podcast why keep it to yourself share the podcast with a friend family member acquaintance it's the holiday season so why not give the gift of the jt sports podcast to a friend You know that you know somebody that loves listening to podcasts, especially some sports podcasts. So go ahead, share the podcast with your friends, family members. There was a crime committed by the Heisman voters. These are the finalists for the Heisman Trophy for this season. CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, and Stetson Bennett. Somebody's missing His name is Hendon Hooker. I don't know who we got to call, but we need to call somebody. We need to get law enforcement involved for this crime that has been committed against Hendon Hooker. What did Hendon Hooker deserve? What did Hendon Hooker do to deserve this? Honestly, Hendon Hooker was one of the best quarterbacks in America this year. He's thrown for 3,135 passing yards, 27 touchdowns to two interceptions, which is, by the way, one of the best touchdown to interception ratios in college football. Not to mention, he has the second highest quarterback rating in America. And yet, he isn't selected as a Heisman finalist. But yet, Stetson Bennett is. Stetson Bennett, people. 3,425 passing yards, 20 touchdowns to six interceptions. He has seven rushing touchdowns, which is two more than Hendon Hooker's. And he has 184 rushing yards. This is not a knock on Stetson Bennett. 
You guys know that I love me some Sir Stetson. But let's be real. Even you Georgia fans. I'm talking to the unbiased ones. Somebody walks up to you right now and asks, Hey, you have the choice of a healthy Hendon Hooker or Stetson Bennett for the college football playoffs against Ohio State. Who do you pick? I'm pretty sure most of us are picking Hendon Hooker. If you want to say, well, JT, Stetson Bennett outplayed Hendon Hooker, okay, that's understandable. But the Heisman Trophy isn't an award that's based off one game. It's an award that is based off the player who has had the best season and the most outstanding performances all season long. All season long, we've been talking about Hendon Hooker. Even after his injury, we were still talking and still are going to be talking about Hendon Hooker. I understand that the Heisman Trophy most of the time has to have somebody who has somewhat of a outstanding story. Stetson Bennett has a great story. Walk on, had the transfer, comes back, starts. Walk on who leads his team to a national championship. Uh, great story. But Hendon Hooker has a good story too. Has a transfer from Virginia Tech. Wasn't named the starting quarterback week one of last season. Gets his opportunity and makes the most of it. It's going, and Hendon Hooker is eventually going to be playing on Sundays. And I believe that we will eventually see Stetson Bennett in the NFL. Maybe not as a starter, but somewhat as a backup. I do believe that Stetson Bennett is going to be in the NFL, at least as a backup. But when we're talking about the Heisman discussion for this year, Hendon Hooker should have been going to NYC for the Heisman ceremony. And if you're a Georgia fan and you're watching or listening to this right now, you know it too. Put your fandom aside. You know Hendon Hooker is a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. And then I see these stats floating around on Twitter about how Stetson Bennett has been better against ranked opponents this year. Now, I went on ESPN.com. And I went to the game stats, well, the stat splits. And the stats that I saw from this this tweet on Twitter did not align with the stats that I saw on ESPN.com. So somebody's lying. Somebody's not telling the truth here about Stetson Bennett's performances against top 25 teams. I'm probably going to side with ESPN that they're telling the truth. Stetson Bennett... Versus top 25 opponents, 899 passing yards, 8 touchdowns. Really good. But you know what Hendon Hooker has done against top 25 teams this year? 14 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 1,738 passing yards. You tell me who has performed better against top 25 competition this year. There's no reason why Stetson Bennett should be a Heisman finalist over Hendon Hooker. This is really embarrassing because the Heisman Trophy, right, is supposed to be the most prestigious award 
in the sport of college football. So therefore, you would want this award to be represented by the best of the best. Stetson Bennett is really good. However, you don't take really good when it comes to a war like this. You don't take okay when it comes to a war like this. You award phenomenal. You award great. Because these guys' names are going to be memorialized in the history of college football forever. Even if they don't win it, we still are going to be able to go back and see who the finalists were who received votes. This is a prestigious award, so we should be celebrating the best seasons and the best performances. There's no way you can freaking tell me that Stetson Bennett had a better performance of a season than Hendon Hooker. This is unbelievable. The people who are in charge of this thing should be ashamed of themselves. Ashamed of themselves. And this isn't a knock on Stetson Bennett. Once again, I'm going to say that I love me some Sir Stetson. We call Stetson Bennett Sir Stetson around here because he earned that. And Stetson Bennett is a really good quarterback. Probably the third best quarterback in the SEC from this season. I'm not disrespecting Stetson Bennett. All I'm saying is that Stetson Bennett did not have a better season than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker should be here. And it's really disappointing that the people who's running these game, who's running this thing is not putting in the players who deserve to be here. They did the same thing with Will freaking Anderson. And the dude had one of the most memorable seasons that we've seen from a defensive player since Manti Teo. His final season at Notre Dame. The Heisman Trophy is starting to become a joke. This is supposed to be the most prestigious award in college football. And yet we, we just want to, we just want to name anybody a finalist. I know Stetson Bennett is a great player and a very great person. And I love Sir Stetson. Once again, going to say it for the final time. But Hendon Hooker should be here. And if you didn't want to put Hendon Hooker here, you could have at least put Bryce Young here. Bryce Young. Outstanding performance this year. The Eisman Trophy is supposed to be awarded to the most outstanding player in college football. It's pretty much the MVP award of this sport. The most viable player. You take Hendon Hooker off Tennessee... What do you think they do? If you take Bryce Young off Alabama, how good are they? As a, actually, as a matter of fact, we've seen Alabama without Bryce Young. Okay? So, even then, what about Bo Nix? What about Michael Penix? What about some of these running backs? Blake Corum? Chase Brown of Illinois? Stetson Bennett is a good player. A great player, I would put at that. But there are players who had better seasons than Stetson Bennett. This is the most prestigious award in college football. 
if you even name off the statistics of the other guys who are with Stetson Bennett in this thing, it's not even close. Stetson Bennett, 3,425 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, with an 86.3 quarterback rating. 7 rushing touchdowns and 184 rushing yards. C.J. Stroud this season. 37 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, thrown for 3,340 passing yards. 87.7 quarterback rating. Max Duggan, 3,321 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, 4 picks. His quarterback rating is lower than Stetson Bennett, but he has more rushing yards and more rushing touchdowns. Caleb Williams, don't even need to say more. It's like, if you put Hendon Hooker here, you definitely say, oh yeah, this dude belongs here. But Stetson Bennett, come on, bruh. Let's be for real. Let's be honest. Somebody come up to you today, and you have to pick a team. And your last pick is either Hendon Hooker or Stetson Bennett. You're taking Hendon Hooker. Love Stetson Bennett. Love him. He has a lot of swag. But he did not deserve to be on this list over Hendon Hooker. And it's really disappointing that the people that's in charge did this. Because this is really disrespectful to, to, this is the most prestigious trophy in the history of this sport. So we should be having the best of the best representing this trophy. We should be having the best of the best going to NYC. The Heisman voters failed this season. And you can make all the arguments that you want for Stetson Bennett winning Heisman all you want to. But Hendon Hooker should be here. The San Francisco 49ers beat the Miami Dolphins Sunday afternoon 33-17. However, that win cost them Jimmy G. And one thing about Jimmy Garoppolo that you already know is that he ain't going to be around for too long, so you just got to enjoy him while he's last. You know, they it's funny because they always say everybody isn't meant to be around in your life forever. Some people are meant to be there in your life for seasons. I guess Jimmy Garoppolo is never meant to be around with the 49ers fully healthy for a whole season, I guess. I guess... At best, you can get a healthy season from Jimmy Garoppolo every two, three years, maybe. The football gods, I don't know what they have against the San Francisco 49ers, but they just don't like this team. They just continue to hamper this team with injuries after injuries. They just got back a Rick Armstead, and now they just lose Jimmy Garoppolo. What's going on? But you know, they got... Brock Purdy, the last pick of the 2022 NFL Draft, Mr. Irrelevant. Well, Mr. Irrelevant was looking pretty relevant this game. He was looking pretty good. 25 or 37, 210 passing yards, completed 67% of his passes. He had two touchdowns, one interception. And the interception that he threw, honestly, wasn't even bad. 
I probably honestly don't even really want to count it for real because it was just him having to throw, trying to make a play. And at that point, at the down and distance, what it was, that kind of was the best decision he could have made. However, he did have Christian McCaffrey who did creep open a little bit late. But I mean, for the most part, he played as good as what you expect from a rookie third string backup, a seventh string rookie third string backup. Brock Purdy doesn't have a great arm, but he is really good at everything else. He is really good at operating the short and intermediate passing game. He also has some good mobility and athleticism. He's not a burner, but he definitely is a above average athlete, in my opinion. And he's really good at throwing the football outside of the pocket and on the run. So let me ask you guys this. For all of you guys who are saying that the 49er season is done with Jimmy Garoppolo being out for the season, potentially, what does Jimmy Garoppolo do that Brock Purdy can't do? What does Jimmy Garoppolo have that Brock Purdy doesn't? Because other than experience and the injury bug, there's nothing that Jimmy G does that Brock Purdy can't do. Okay, now Jimmy G has been having a very good season. And I would even call Jimmy G a game manager with how well he has kind of played this season. But the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is that, one, he can't stay healthy. And two, in big moments, in big games, he comes up short more times than not. Last season in the playoffs, we saw the 49ers win in spite of Jimmy G. There's a reason why they traded up so much to get Trey Lance, and we've seen it. So you look at Brock Purdy, he has a pretty good team. You're throwing to George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You know that the run game's going to be there. You got CMC there. You need to learn to keep throwing more checkdowns to him on third down, fourth down too. So there is a lot of talent for Brock Purdy to throw the football to. Then you got Kyle Shanahan calling the plays for you, regardless of how y'all feel about Kyle Shanahan, because there were a surprising amount of people who call out Kyle Shanahan every week for his play calling. Listen, I understand not every coach calls a great play every single time, but dang, like I think Kyle Shanahan does a pretty good job. But some 49ers fans make it seem like he's one of the worst play callers in the league. But Kyle Shanahan as your offensive coordinator, as a seventh-round rookie quarterback, I think you're in really good hands. And as a matter of fact, you know, I've seen teams have a lot worse at quarterback and still have pretty successful seasons. You look at Pittsburgh back in 2019. You remember when Big Ben went down? That Mason Rudolph and the guy named, what, what was his name? Devlin Duck Hodgers. You know what Duck Hodgers did for a living? Duck calling. Not making this up. And the Steelers were able to stay afloat in playoff contention with 
him and Mason Rudolph. The 49ers are 8-4 right now. They currently have a lead up on Seattle. One game ahead in the division race. Seattle currently is 7-5. They currently have the last seed. 7th in the NFC division for the playoffs. The 49ers have room for error. They don't have ton of a room for error. But they do have enough room for error that if they slip up a game or two, they still have a good chance of winning this division. Because you do have to play Seattle in two weeks. You play Tampa, then you go on the road and play Seattle on a Thursday night. So if you lose a couple of games, but you and Seattle still have the same record at the end of the year, you have the tiebreaker over them. Now, the other teams that are on the outside looking in, if you do end up getting passed over by Seattle, you have to worry about Washington, who's 7-5-1. Now, I don't know how that tie with New York affects things, but outside of them, you got the Lions, the Packers, and the Falcons. They all have five wins. And at that point, they're pretty much eliminated. So for San Francisco, if you can get the 10 wins, 11, that guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. 11 definitely guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. 10, I I don't really know with how Washington is playing if you don't win your division. But you look at Seattle, they're pretty good, but you have a better roster. And even with Brock Purdy there, I think he's going to be pretty solid against the defenses that you're going to be playing against. Yeah, Tampa's defense is probably going to concern you a little bit. But Seattle, I think you can have some success against them if you're Brock Purdy. Plus, it's going to be a Thursday night. Yeah, it's going to be on the road and all that. But I think that you should be pretty equipped to handle that. Washington could be pretty difficult with how good their defense is, but you do play the Raiders and the Cardinals, so those are defenses that you should be able to have some pretty good performances against. So I think at most, you know, the 49ers should be able to win at least three games with Brock Purdy. And that's if Brock Purdy has at least somewhat of a halfway decent performance in these in these games because I don't know if he's going to be able to replicate the performance that he had against the Miami Dolphins. He did kind of take them by surprise. They didn't game plan for him, and that actually does matter. So you look at his mobility, him, his ability to get outside the pocket, something they definitely probably didn't prepare for when they were practicing and expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to play the whole game. So there definitely was some adjustments that had to be made. But you go back and you look at the film, defensive coordinators are definitely probably going to force San Francisco to try to throw the football down the field more. He was only averaging 5.7, 5.9 yards per pass. So they're probably going to force him to try to push the ball downfield, which is something that I do believe he can do despite not having a great arm. Not having a strong arm isn't the end-all, be-all. You can make up for that with great timing and anticipation, which is something that he also showed a little bit of during their win against Miami. 
I think the 49ers are going to be fine without Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to their chances of making it to the playoffs. Now, their chances of them winning the Super Bowl without Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't really know. I don't think they're probably all that high with Brock Purdy. But at the same time, I didn't really think they were all that high with Jimmy Garoppolo neither. Because everybody's just drooling over how well Jimmy Garoppolo has played during the regular season. I'm kind of like, okay, he's played well. But this isn't anything that we haven't seen out of Jimmy Garoppolo before. Jimmy Garoppolo was never a bad quarterback. The thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is you just can't trust him to stay on the field every single year for a full 17-game season, and you can't trust him to come through in big moments and big games in the playoffs. That's just it with Jimmy Garoppolo. Outside of those things, he's a solid quarterback. I would say he's damn near a top 16, 17 QB. But at the same time, Brock Purdy is a young rookie quarterback that has athleticism, He has good accuracy, does have a strong arm, but I think he fits well with this offense. And the 49ers have a pretty good defense. So how many points do the 49ers really need to score offensively to beat teams? It's not like teams are scoring 30 high 20s on this defense. Teams are barely cracking 17 points against the 49ers defense. So I think their defense is good enough tied with the talent that they also have on offense and Kyle Shanahan calling plays to at least make it to the playoffs and stay afloat with Brock Purdy if we don't see Jimmy G again. I think they're going to be fine. Now turn to the Super Bowl. I don't really know. We will revisit that when the 49ers make it to the playoffs. Another team that is getting really hot right now are the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're about to go on another Super Bowl run. They're currently tied for first place in the AFC North along with the Baltimore Ravens. Both of these two teams have eight and four records. However, the Ravens are going to be without Lamar Jackson for one to three weeks. He suffered an injury in their win against Denver. The Ravens currently hold the third seed in the playoffs. They hold the tiebreaker over Cincinnati with their previous win earlier in the season but the Bengals currently are the fifth seed and right now not only are they in contention for winning this division but they still are in contention for the number one overall seed in the AFC so everything that Cincinnati needs to do is right in front of them And that's just win. And that's something that they have been doing because they haven't lost since October 31st, which is when they were beat down by the Cleveland Browns in a really surprising game. I don't think too many people expected Cincinnati to lose to Cleveland, at least in that fashion. Outside of that, this team is playing at a really high level. And I don't really think enough people are talking about them, but enough Sooner rather than later, more people are going to start hopping on the Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl bandwagon again. If you remember earlier this offseason, we predicted that the Bengals were going to have the best offense in the AFC and that it was going to be them versus the Bills in the AFC championship. Now, they started out really rocky. 
A lot of people was like, here you go, JT. You overrated them. But they have caught fire of late. And even before the month of November, this team still had some really good wins earlier in the year. They beat the Dolphins, even though Tua had to leave that game early with an injury. Still a really good team. They also got a win over the New York Jets. Now, you look at their wins over Tennessee, week 12, and their recent win this past week against the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-24. I mean, this team has proven that last year was not a fluke. They're about to go on another Super Bowl run. This defense is playing just about as good as what they were last year, even though their secondary has been even better than what they were in 2021. I mean, Von Bell, Jesse Bates are both having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson are your two best pass rushers. Now, the pass rush production kind of has went down a little bit. I kind of want to know why, Cincinnati Bengals fans, why that is. It's just Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson who are getting most of the production when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. But this secondary has been really good. I think that the linebacking core is still playing at a pretty high level. And this offense, Joe Burrow, a.k.a. Joe Burr, is playing at an MVP level. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. I'm going to save that for another episode of the podcast Joe Burrow, this season, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, completed in 69% of his passes. He also has 5 rushing touchdowns on the ground. Did you see the little scram- the little run that he had against Kansas City? Apparently, it wasn't an uh, intentional design quarterback run. It actually was supposed to be a handoff, but he saw one of the, one of the defenders coming, so he just decided to take himself. Bruh. Joe Burrow really has some wheels. He can really run. I was like, Joe Burrow, did you just try to do a spin move? Joe Burrow, you just tried to do a spin move, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow tried to do a spin move. I did not know that Joe Burrow had this kind of mobility. And he has 224 rushing yards. So I would love to see some more. Quarterback runs from Joe Burrow outside of quarterback sneaks. I mean, Joe Burrow is really talented when it comes to running the football. He's not Lamar or Josh Allen or or Jalen Hurts, but he can do a little bit of damage in the run game if you give him a little bit of green grass. Joe Burrow has also been really good in the fourth quarter of games this year. In 2021, Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter of games threw 10 touchdowns, six interceptions, completed 66.7% of his passes, and threw for 1,081 passing yards. This season, 2022, Joe Burrow has thrown nine touchdowns and only one interception. He also is completing 69.8% of his passes, and he has thrown for 885 passing yards through the air up to this point. I think that Joe Burrow is making a strong claim for MVP. And this whole entire Bengals team 
is making a strong claim for being the front runners to win the AFC. Honestly, this has probably been one of the more consistent teams in the NFL this year. You look at Philadelphia, they've been really good. They only got one loss. Buffalo, Kansas City, and then after those three, Cincinnati. They're right there. You can talk about San Francisco. San Francisco has a really good roster, but they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. We don't even know if he's even going to suit up this season for the 49ers again. You look at Cincinnati, this team is primed and ready to make another run at the Super Bowl. The Rams suffered a Super Bowl hangover. Don't know what the hell happened to them. But Cincinnati, they're focused. Joe Burrow is playing at an insanely high level. This team is playing their best football at the perfect time. This is the time of the year, and you guys have heard me go on this ramble so many times over the years, but I'm going to do it again because I haven't done it so far this year yet. But after Thanksgiving, this is where we start to see teams separate themselves. This is where the contenders separate themselves from the pretenders. Cincinnati is starting to separate. They just beat Tennessee and Kansas City, two of the better teams, two of the best teams in the AFC. Shoot, Tennessee still is in the conversation for the one seed, even though their hopes of getting the one seed are fading. But they've been a pretty good team also this year. The Bengals are beating some of the best teams in the NFL. This team is playing some really good football They have been undefeated for the month of November in the first week of December. This team, I think, is about to go on another Super Bowl run. And before the season, the Bills versus Bengals was my AFC Conference Championship game pick. And right now, based from what I've seen out of the Cincinnati Bengals, they're probably my pick. To win the AFC this year. Now I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But shoot. When you look at some of the other teams. That we have coming out of the, the NFC. Outside of Philadelphia. Who else do you really have confidence in? It's kind of a lot of stuff. That still has to be sorted out. When it comes to the NFC conference. But in the AFC. I think things are starting to become. Picture clear. The Cincinnati Bengals are getting hot, and they're ready to go on another Super Bowl run. The Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not, people, still have a chance of making the playoffs. The Steelers beat the Falcons 19-16 to improve to 5-7 and and to keep their playoff hopes alive. Kenny Pickett had a pretty solid game. 16-28, 197 pass yards. One touchdown. The Steelers also had a pretty good performance on the ground as well. They had 154 rushing yards as a team. Kenny Pickett in this offense has played better over the last couple of weeks. I understand they still haven't really done anything fantastic. However, 
This offense is playing good enough that this team still has a shot of making it into the postseason. The defense has played at a really high level. TJ Watt has come back from his injury. We know what he does. Miguel Fitzpatrick, we already know what he's been doing this season as well. He pretty much also should be in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. You look at Pittsburgh. If they can win out or at least go 9-8, and eight, I think they have a very good chance of getting the 7th seed in the AFC. Now, right now, the New York Jets currently occupy the 7th seed right now at 7-5. But they just lost to the Minnesota Vikings. And their next three games are on the road against the Buffalo Bills. They got to play the Detroit Lions, the Jaguars. That's not an easy stretch. You probably could go 2-3. or three. Then after that, their last two games to end the season after they play Jacksonville on the road against Seattle and they play Miami. I think there's a very good chance that the New York Jets could slip up during this stretch. Yeah, their defense is really good, but their offense isn't that great because of the quarterback situation. So Steeler fans look at the offense and they, they cringe at it. But you look at the New York Jets offense sometimes. Oh my goodness. And yeah, Mike White is playing at a pretty good level. But against good defenses, I don't really think he's that great. So I think that the Jets are going to end up fizzling out. But will they fizzle out enough for Pittsburgh to come and grab the seventh seed? That remains to be decided. They also have to worry about the Chargers who are 6-6. Six and six, The Patriots who are also 6-6 six and six as well. The Patriots, I think they're kind of more of an 8-9 team. I think they're nearing the point of the season where they're about to start fizzling out. The Chargers could be very interesting because they are really talented. However, fairly inconsistent. So there is a good opportunity for the Chargers to drop two games. You look at the Raiders, the Browns, who also are 5-7, and seven, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The good thing is the Steelers play both of those two teams. So if they beat the Browns, Raiders don't really have to worry about them doing anything when it comes to them stealing a playoff spot if they do their job, beat them, and win out. The Steelers' remaining games are the Ravens on the road against Carolina, the Raiders, the Ravens again, and the Browns. This is probably the easiest stretch of the season that the Steelers have had. The first half of the season was absolutely brutal for this team. They played eight teams that had a record of 500 or better. Bengals, Patriots, Browns, Jets, Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, holy moly. And with a rookie quarterback too. So the Steelers have won three out, of, three out of their last four games. Their only loss during the last couple of weeks came to the Cincinnati Bengals. This team, as I mentioned earlier, 
Their offense isn't nothing to write home about, but their offense has played better over the last couple of weeks compared to how they did the start this year. And these teams that they're beating, the Saints, Colts, Falcons, are teams that the Steelers should be beating. Nobody should really be expecting Pittsburgh to compete with the Bills, teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles. If the Steelers are going to make it to the playoffs, these are the teams that they have to beat. And they play the Ravens, which is their division rival, a team that the Steelers have had a lot of success over the last couple of years against. So the Steelers have a very good chance of getting into the playoffs. You look at the Raiders, I think they could be a really interesting team too because they're playing some really good football, surprisingly. And the Browns, you know, they're still hanging around. Deshaun Watson's back. Yeah, he had a rocky performance against Houston. But I mean, shoot, eventually he's going to end up figuring it out. He hasn't played football in a while, so of course he's going to be a little rusty. But eventually, when he gets things going, if the Browns can find ways to win games while he continues to get back into the swing of things, they could also be right there at Pittsburgh for that last spot. But at the same time, the Steelers do get to play the Raiders and the Browns. They pretty much control their own destiny, minus the Chargers and the Patriots and the Jets. But I think there is a path to the playoffs for the Steelers. All hope is not lost yet. And what about this? Imagine if the Steelers went out. Because this scenario that I just gave y'all is based mostly on the Steelers going 9-8. and eight. But there's a real possibility that this team can win out and get the 10-7 and seven and steal that 7 seed from the Jets. And that's when things can get really interesting because 9-8 and eight is kind of really... A 9-8 and eight getting you into the 7 seed this season probably isn't going to happen unless you just have a lot of upsets that happen but 10 and 7 realistically probably is what you need if you're Pittsburgh I just went with 9 and 8 because I kind of think that's most likely what they would do go 9 and 8 because even though this schedule is pretty favorable you guys already know who follow this team that the Steelers will mess around beat the Ravens beat the Raiders, beat the Browns, but then lose, but have a loss to Carolina that, that does them in. So I think that Pittsburgh ends up going nine and eight, but if they do go 10 and seven, then their chances greatly improve. I think that you definitely have a good chance of getting in at 10 and seven because then the Jets have a smaller room for error. And then at the same time, it puts a lot of pressure on them when it comes to that quarterback situation. But I think that the Jets, that seven seed is definitely going to be up for grabs. Even if Pittsburgh isn't the team that takes it from them, I think the Jets are in a lot of trouble right now with their quarterback situation. The last thing that you want late in the season is uncertainty at quarterback. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Once again, make sure that you go ahead, check out the JT Sports Podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Also, 
Like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're listening to this episode on YouTube. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.